Go back to children's church. You know, as these kids go to children's church, how come you adults don't run into the sanctuary and get a seat? That's, that's what I'd like to know. Boy, that enthusiasm is awesome. That is just great. Well, as we were singing, I was watching Tanya play the piano. And we finished up that first song, and she turned the music sheet over, and there was two blank pages there. And she just kept playing. And it's like, they're blank pages. What are you playing? You know, but she just kept going right on and then just flipped that page over, and you never knew that there was any, I don't know if it was set up that way, but it was just like, oh my word, that was smooth. I wish I could be that smooth when blank pages pop up. Because if blank pages pop up in my sermon, I'm done. So, just so you know, it was just, now, I love music. The problem is I can't sing, play anything but the radio. I'm good at the radio. But I just, I get so jealous of people who can just sit and play at the piano. Yeah, Kelsey Pfeiffer. You know, I, I watched her as she would play the piano. She just has chords on, the, on her sheet. No notes, just chords. And she would sit there and just play. It's like, seriously? I mean, what? It's good. So thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Appreciate your ministry to us each and every week. We are certainly blessed here. Well, we're going to continue our series in Mark chapter 1. We'll take a look at verses 21 to 39 today. So Mark 1, verses 21 to 39. Now, for those of you who are involved in education, you know that one of the key things uh, key principles in education is that you should always review where you have been. So we're going to do a quick review before we get to verses 21 to 39 in Mark 1. The writer of the Gospel of Mark is a man who lived in Jerusalem along with his mother Mary, and their house was a place where believers met. It was one of the early churches was in Mark's house. We read about this in Acts chapter 12. Mark was not a disciple. He was not one of the 12, but he was probably an eyewitness to some of the events that were happening, especially around Jerusalem. And it is believed that Peter led Mark to faith in Jesus because in Peter's writing, in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 5, Peter calls Mark his son. So it is, we kind of think that it was Peter who led Mark to faith. And so, as Pastor Jesse said, that a lot of Mark that he wrote was from the Apostle Peter, from the things that he witnessed being with Jesus. So it just makes sense that Peter led Mark to faith in Christ. And Pastor Jesse also said that Mark was written for the Romans. And so it is believed that Mark was with Peter when he was in Rome because Peter was imprisoned by Nero. 
And it could very well be that Peter's like, hey, look, buddy, you know, I don't know how many more days I have left, but let's write down what I remember about Jesus and the things that took place. And also because I think that there were a number of Christians in Rome, and Rome is a long way from the Middle East. And so they didn't have a lot of people that they could talk to to find out more about Jesus because they were far away. So I think part of the reason why Mark wrote his book was because Peter was getting to the end of his life, but also to give the people in Rome more information about Jesus. And as we see in Mark, Mark does not talk about Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. He does not talk about the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled while he was here on earth. Mark talks about Jesus as a servant. And as a Roman citizen, you had quite a bit of stature in your community because you were a Roman citizen. And a lot of Roman citizens had servants. So here is Mark coming in saying, oh, by the way, um, yes, Jesus is the Savior, but he is also a servant. Mark comes across and says, yes, Jesus is God, but he came not to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And you know, when you think of a servant, you think of somebody who was under somebody else's authority, right? I mean, they take direction from you. They do what you want them to do. You, as a servant, have uh, are responsible to follow the directions given to you because you are to serve the person that is over you. Jesus is a servant with a lot of authority, as we will see today. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Yes, Jesus came to seeking to save those who are lost. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Well, after Jesus' baptism, in verse 12 of chapter 1, it says that the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert for 40 days, where he was tempted by Satan. Yet Jesus did not sin, and he showed everybody that he had power over Satan and all of his schemes. In verses 14 to 20 in chapter 1 of Mark, we read that Jesus called four fishermen to follow him. That brings us down to verse 21. We start there today. Verse 21 says, they, meaning Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, went to Capernaum. Now, most likely, it was the house of Peter and Andrew. Let's look at a map. We have a map I want to put up here. Um, you can see at the top of the, uh, the Lake of Galilee, or the Sea of Galilee, there's a circle around Capernaum. Capernaum was on the sea. It was a very beautiful town right on the sea, which is why it was so easy for Peter to be a fisherman, because it was right there. So they went to Capernaum. Now, earlier 
in the other Gospels, it talks about John the Baptist. And we heard a little bit about John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1. Well, at this point, um, John the Baptist was thrown into prison. And so things weren't really safe there in Jerusalem. So Jesus heads up to Capernaum. And if you remember the story of the woman at the well in Samaria, he went up through Samaria up to Capernaum. So he was heading up north. And then we find that Jesus, along with Peter, Andrew, James, and John, were in Capernaum. So that's where we find them. That's where we find this story taking place at the north end of the Lake of Galilee in Capernaum. All right, let's go on in verse 21. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, one of the, the questions that I've kind of struggled with um, is that you have Peter and Andrew and James and John who were fishermen. Why would they give up their lucrative fishing careers to follow a guy that just said, hey, I want you to follow me because I'm going to make you fishers of men. wonder why. wonder why they would just say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we're, we're going to do this. Um, now, with James and John, they had a really big fishing operation because they had hired servants as well doesn't say that about Peter and Andrew, but for James and John, they, they had hired people. So it was not a small operation. It was pretty, pretty big operation. So why would these guys walk away from that to follow Jesus when there was a lot of uncertainty? You didn't know what was going to happen. Why? Well, I think part of the answer can be found in verse 22. Look at verse 22. Jesus went into the temple, went into the synagogue, not the temple, sorry. Jesus went into the synagogue. It says, verse 22 says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. You see, the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they spoke from authorities. This is what the law says. But it says here that Jesus spoke as one who had the authority. And Mark makes special note of the people's reactions. He says that the people were amazed. Another verse of the Bible says that the people were astonished. And I think that's part of the reason why Peter and Andrew and James and John walked away from their fishing careers because they met a man who amazed them with what he said and how he said it as a person who had authority, not just spoke from authorities. And I, I read this this week, and I thought, that's, this, is kind of, this is kind of true. Um, when you think about qualities of a good fisherman, now, Jim, you would know this since you catch fish with axes. Um, you, get, you need a lot of courage to be a fisherman. You need a lot of teamwork to be a fisherman, working together. You need a lot of patience to be a fisherman, especially the way I fish. Um, 
You need a lot of stamina and tenacity. And you need faith that, yeah, there's something out there that you're going to catch. And when you look at this, these characteristics of fishermen, they work well into being characteristics of disciples of Jesus. Courage and teamwork and patience and stamina, tenacity and faith. Jesus not only taught out in the open, like on the mountainsides, but he also taught in synagogues, as we saw. They went, when they were in Capernaum, they went to the synagogue. Jewish synagogues were developed when the Jewish people were taken into exile into Babylon, and the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, so they did not have a place to worship. So when, when there were 10 or more people who were 10 or more men who were over the age of 12, they could form a synagogue, sort of like the Amish formed districts today. You have so many families, and okay, there's a district of, you know, for an Amish church. Well, here the Jewish synagogues were organized when there were 10 or more men over the age of 12. Now, Synagogues were not a place for sacrifices. Synagogue was just a place for scripture reading, for praying, and for worshiping God. The sacrifices were only done in the main temple back in Jerusalem. So that's where the priests were at the main temple in Jerusalem. The synagogues were not led by priests. They were led by the men who were there. And so that's why when Jesus came to a synagogue as a man, sometimes they said, hey, since you're visiting, would you mind reading the scriptures? Would you mind speaking? So that's why Jesus had open access in the synagogues because there was no priest or a pastor or whatever, a person in charge that you know, well, I'm doing the speaking today, you can't. No, it was open so Jesus could speak. And of course, the synagogue services were held on the Sabbath, which was Saturday, but also on Mondays and Thursdays. So you could go to the synagogue three times in a week. All right, let's pick up the narrative again on verse 23. It says, just then, a man in their synagogue, so if this man was in their synagogue, he was part of them. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. And I kind of wonder, how long was this guy there? I mean, how long was he attending the, the services there in the synagogue, you know, being demonized? I certainly would not want to have been there when they were having a church business meeting. Uh, we don't know. That doesn't say. But he was in the church and he was demonized. But it took the presence of Jesus to bring the demon out in the man. So the demon and the man cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Notice how the demon uses the word us. 
Now, we, we know that from other gospels, sometimes the demons used the word legion, meaning that there were many demons in this person. He used the term us. So I'm not thinking there was many demons in this man. I'm just thinking that this man and the demon were so closely tied together that the demon uses the word us. But notice what he says. He says, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth. When he used the term Jesus of Nazareth, he is saying Jesus is a human. He's a person. We, we see him. We see his flesh. Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. He says, you are the Holy One of God. I find it interesting that the demon not only mentions the humanity of Jesus, but he also mentions the deity of Jesus by saying, you are the Holy One of God. And the demon expresses great fear because, you know, have you come to destroy us? Are you going to put us in the abyss where we're locked there? Jesus replies, be quiet, Jesus said sternly. In verse 25, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Certainly, the demon didn't want to leave, but he had to because he was under the authority and the power of Jesus. He had to obey. There was no choice. So we have Jesus, the servant, who had power and authority over the demon. Let's look at verses 27 and 28. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority. And again, they recognize the authority of Jesus. Whoa, this guy speaks as one who has the authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Tell you what, that must have been an amazing service because they were amazed at Jesus' teachings because he spoke as one who had authority and they were amazed at the authority that Jesus had over demons. So it was quite an amazing service. And it's interesting how Mark always says that the people responded with amazement. So what happened when everyone was amazed? Well, they went and told everybody, didn't they? Verse 29. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. So they went to Peter's house. Now, I kind of think Peter had a, had a reason for inviting Jesus and everybody else back to his house. It says this, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. So after they're at the service at the synagogue, Peter's like, hey, let's go back to my house, okay? 
Um, I think he had an ulterior motive here, but, you know, come back to my house. So they got to the home, and it says, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Well, we know from this story anyway that Peter was married. We don't know of too many other disciples who had wives, but we know here that Peter was married because of his mother-in-law who was sick. And I just find it interesting that once they got to Simon Peter's house, Mark says that they immediately told Jesus about the mother-in-law's condition. He didn't waste any time. They got to the house and immediately, immediately they told Jesus about the mother-in-law in bed with a fever. Now, to be in bed with a fever means that she was pretty well out of it. I mean, she, you know, it's not like, well, I got a little headache, but it's okay. I can still do things. No, she was in bed with a fever, so she wasn't doing anything. And when they told Jesus about her fever, it says, so he went into her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Isn't it great? When Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, it was instantaneous. There was no, you know, well, I'll feel better in a few days. It was immediate so that she served them right away. When you think about this story, what prompted Peter to talk to Jesus? What prompted Peter to talk to Jesus? Was that he, he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus could do anything, that he had authority as he saw over the demons. That, you know what, Jesus could, Jesus could do that. He could, he could heal. You know, I think... I think Peter's belief in Jesus and who Jesus was prompted him to go talk to him about his mother-in-law. Because it says immediately, immediately. He, he believed Jesus enough that, yes, you can do that. You can do that. And remember, it was the Sabbath it was the Sabbath day that, because they were at the synagogue on the Sabbath, and so this was later on in the day, so Jesus healed on the Sabbath. But none of them got caught up with the Jewish law of, well, wait, you can't do that, Jesus. <laughs> they realized that the mother-in-law was sick, Jesus was there, and Jesus could do something about it. Jesus, or Peter's actions were in response to who Jesus was. Let me ask you a question. 
what do you believe about Jesus? And what do you need Jesus to do for you? Do you have enough faith in who Jesus is to work in the situations that are in your life? I mean, maybe you're here this morning and you just flat out need a miracle because things aren't going well. You're struggling with different things and you, you, just, you just need God to do something in your life. What do you believe about Jesus this morning? Do you believe that Jesus has the authority to help in your situation? What do you need Jesus to do in your life? What do you need Jesus to help you with in your life? I don't need to tell you that at times life really stinks. I mean, we just had the Melrath funeral. The guy was 68 years old, healthy as anything, but COVID took him down. It's like, what? <laughs> it should not have happened that way. <laughs> life stinks at times. And there are people dealing with mental and emotional anguish. I know because I've talked to a number of people. What do you need God to do in your life? What do you need God to help you with? Peter responded to his belief in Jesus Immediately when they got to the house, hey, my mother-in-law's sick. And Jesus healed her. I'm kind of thinking that uh, word spread pretty quick because of verse 32. Verse 32 says, that evening after sunset... Because it was the Sabbath. You can't do anything, all right, until after sunset. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. See that highlighted word up there, brought. When Mark wrote that they brought many people, it's the idea of they kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming. So when so when Mark says that they brought people to Jesus, it was a constant stream of people showing up at Peter and Andrew's door because they heard what Jesus did. As I was thinking about this, 
I, I, I kind of struggled with, I wonder how many people truly believed that Jesus was who he said he was, or did they come and brought their sick to Jesus because they heard he heals, so we're going to go get healed. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, and why would Jesus heal all the people that came if they truly didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God who came to seek and to save those who are lost? We're not going to answer that question. You figure it out on your own. But you know what? The one answer I come up with is because, you know what? God's a God of grace. And he's going to do good no matter what. Which is great news for me because I don't always do good. (laughs) But yet God brings a blessing. So, something to think about. Of course, I also thought about the question is... (laughs) Ah, I wonder how many people show up here on a Sunday morning who truly don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God too. Because ah, we come for the show. It's kind of nice. And it's free. I don't have to pay anything. Kind of questions that pastors struggle with at times. You know, you just, well, what's, what about the congregation? What do you think? But Jesus did. Heal lots of people. Look at verse 33. The whole town gathered at the door. The whole town gathered at the door. That'd be a lot of people. All right, I'm going to conclude. Don't get too excited. I have an ADD brain and I'll forget what I said you know, 30 seconds from now. But as I try to wrap it up, what should you walk away from the sermon this morning understanding in your life? The first thing, know who Jesus is. Let me remind you of who Jesus is. A servant who has come from God, but yet has authority. Because the people were amazed at how he taught as a person with authority. And he has authority over the demons. Know who Jesus is. Be reminded of who Jesus is. And we know, and you will know, what you believe about Jesus by how you pray and how you live. Because if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you will live that way. Your life will be consistent in following Jesus as your Savior. And you will not fall back from asking Jesus for things that you need in your life. Because he has authority and the power to do it.
Jesus came as a servant. He came as one who I am here not to be served, but to serve. Which is why I think when the people of the town brought their sick to Jesus, he healed them. He healed everybody if they truly believed in who he was or not. Jesus healed them out of compassion. And he didn't quit until he was all done. Serving is one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith. How are you serving? Now, I'm going to step on a lot of toes here because mine got crushed this week myself. Men, how are you serving your wives? What are you doing for them? As the head of the house, how are you serving them? <laughs> yeah, that's a hard question. That's a tough question. Wives, how are you serving your husbands? Parents, how are you serving your kids? And all the kids are going, yeah, I want this and this. And, yeah. How are you serving? How are you serving the church? How are you serving one another? These are questions that I struggle with, and I don't want to be alone in my struggles, so I'm sharing them with you. How are we serving? Tell you what, it's one of the greatest joys in my life is serving. I, I love to do it. <laughs> Jesse and I have these discussions at times because he's like, Steve, you can get somebody to do that. You don't have to do that. And I say, Jesse, I do because that's my heart, because I want to do it. Well, you know, you could get somebody to do that. Yeah, I know. You could give them the joy of serving. I said, but I don't want to give it up, okay? Now, there are times I call people. I, mean, I called, texted David Smoker yesterday morning, bright and early. Dude, I need the, plow, I need the driveway shoveled and the sidewalk salted. And it was done. How are you serving? Chris Zander, why don't you stand up, my man? I know, don't look at me that way. Roll your eyes, just like your teenage daughter. I saw that. <laughs> Chris is the chairman of our Christian education. I didn't say sit down, Chris. Chris is the chairman of our Christian education team. And if you're like, you know what? I would like to do something. He's the guy to talk to. Talk to me. I tell you what, we can put you in a spot that you'll just be so blessed because I'm convinced that God blesses you when you serve. So, know who Jesus is, okay? Don't be afraid to ask him for what you need in your life because he has authority. Jesus came to serve. How are you serving? What are you doing to serve? Because that, that is where the Christian life is expressed the best way, by serving one another. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that was fair. I hope you believe it more than just 
how well you said amen there. But uh, good stuff from Mark chapter 1. Good stuff to chew on. Know Jesus, that he has authority and power. And he came to serve. You know, there are times where, you know, Jesus is like, really, Jesus, you dealt with everybody in the whole town? The whole town showed up at your door and you dealt with it. I wonder what time they got done. Man, I wonder if they had enough food for everybody, you know, if they showed up at the door. Wow. But he didn't quit. He didn't quit. So let Jesus be our example today. Let's pray. God, thank you from the things that we can learn in Mark chapter 1. Lord, thank you that Jesus came to serve, but yet he had authority and power. He had authority and power over the demons and the evil spirits. He had authority and power over the natural world where he healed Peter's mother-in-law. God, thank you for reminding us of the power and authority that you have and for showing us what it means to serve with compassion, that, God, you did it till probably late into the night, maybe even early into the morning because the whole town showed up to bring their sick. And, God, thank you that you healed them no matter what, no matter what they believed because you are a God of love and compassion. Lord, I pray for everyone here in the congregation right now. But I pray for those who need to see a miracle in their life. God, I pray that they would, they would ask you, that they would come before you asking for what they need trusting that you are a God who has authority and power and compassion. So God, minister, minister to those who need to see you work. And God, empower us to serve so that we can show the world what it means to be a Christian. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.